0: This is my theme song, it's not very good and it's not very long Secretly I'm aiming for a rhythm that exceeds my expectations Am I ever gonna get it? Welcome back, welcome, I mean really, (laughs) welcome back, welcome home Welcome in. Welcome here. It's hard to say welcome back because I took a very long hiatus from doing this. But the reason, like everything else, is complex. So, first and foremost, yes, hello, welcome to my show it's Colleen can because Colleen can do anything include pick up her podcast that she set down in June yeah so the last episode of this podcast that I recorded was my big gay episode which came out in pride month which was June and I sort of Uh, accidentally surprised myself by coming out (laughs) because I could not tell a lie on recording and um, that like low-key was just like crazy Um, I had come out as non-binary the previous year but I didn't really, like, change my pronouns or anything. Um, For a long time, and I think I mentioned this, like, in the episode, I felt like I wasn't gay enough to, like, count in the LGBTQ world. And I think that what that really was... I mean, that is a real feeling that I think a lot of people feel. But I think part of the reason that I was feeling that is because I truly just had so much internalized homophobia that I was carrying with me that I just really wanted to pass as quote-unquote normal which is not normal there is no normal let's like reframe that because being heteronormative really that term I think could be I mean, no, it can't be erased because hetero inherently implies a male and a female. But I just was so afraid of being viewed differently for being gay. Um, So I came out as non-binary. And then when I was recording my um, episode for my Big Gay episode, I was just like, fuck, I'm bi. Like, maybe I'm pansexual but like I'm bisexual um and I'd never said that out loud before and once I did I realized that I had been keeping that Sort of like as a denial thing, like literally my entire life. Like when I would be attracted to a woman, I'd be like, "No, no, 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 no! I'm not gay. I'm not gay. I am so not gay." Um, which sucks because, like, I'm I'm an ally to the gay community before I found myself identifying as a member. I've always been an ally, and I've always had many friends in the community and thought of myself as an advocate, but it's crazy. Two things can be true at the same time. You can advocate for others and fail or be afraid to advocate for yourself. And I think this most recent shooting at Club Q in Colorado really brought home for me again like one of the reasons why I didn't ever come out or want to be out was because I knew that I would be treated differently and viewed differently and I didn't want to be a target for malice or rudeness or you know transphobia or homophobia I didn't want to have to move through the world that way Because I was scared of what might happen And when these incidents I mean right now it seems like they're They're not few and far between And honestly for a long time they haven't been Hate crimes happen every day Whether or not they make the news And people are terrified to be who they really are every day whether or not that makes, quote-unquote, newsworthy media. But when these massive tragedies occur that are hate crimes, it's a reminder why it's terrifying to be out. And I think anyone who is out, in any form, like wherever you fall, anywhere in the LGBTQIA plus community, you are so valid and you are so brave because on a day to day basis it can be scary, especially when you know that there are people in the world who don't want you to be here. That's terrifying just for being who you are like they don't know you they don't know anything about you they don't know what your favorite book is they don't know what your hobbies are all they know is that you're in a gay bar and so therefore you're an enemy to them that's fucking terrifying and so it's been a lot to unpack the last few months and I would say that's one reason why I haven't been here is because I've had to, like, reframe my own mind um, and find freedom, finally, in being able to, like, comfortably say, like, yeah, I identify this way. And it's been really freeing, and it's also been really sad because I am unpacking all of those internalized homophobic reasons why I told myself for, you know, 29 years of my life that I wasn't gay. So that's been a lot. On top of that, I also was diagnosed with ADHD. I think shortly after or maybe like right around the time that I recorded my last episode and I got put on a new medication and it made my brain so quiet that it was actually insane. If you have ever experienced clinical depression or anxiety, you know the swirling thoughts like you you feel constantly like your head is swimming almost in like a whirlpool of different anxieties or thoughts and it is just like a 24 seven, like you know, the TV is on and it's on loud and you don't get to choose what you're watching. Um and it's usually scary, dark or grim. You know, I shouldn't be here. Why am I here? Nobody loves me. blah, Blah blah those kinds of thoughts. Um, And when I switched my medications, it was like I changed the TV channel in my mind. And all of the sudden, it was just like white noise. There was nothing going on in there. And that was fucking wild. The fact that I have... I consider myself to be somebody who is, like, pretty well-versed in the mental health area. Like, I've, I've been seeing psychiatrists and psychologists since I was in my, you know, late teens. I think I started my senior year of high school, but maybe it was my freshman year of college. But either way, like, off and on, I've been, you know, in those rooms for half my life, basically, And the fact that I had asked multiple doctors throughout the course of my treatment to be diagnosed or tested for ADHD, and they blew me off, has me real pissed. And same with the feeling of this could have been caught so much sooner um you know those two feelings kind of go hand in hand like I'm like why did no doctor that I was literally paying like hundreds and thousands of dollars to ever take me seriously and why did they just say like oh well like just because you don't want to listen to people doesn't mean that you have ADHD like okay lol what like that's not right right That is not right, especially when I have two siblings who were diagnosed with ADD, ADHD, whatever letters you want to throw at it. In that realm, they were diagnosed, treated, and their depression was helped. But when I told that to my doctors, they said, well, that's them, but you just don't want to pay attention. So that's your thing, I guess. Also, like... No one is perfect and I'm really sorry because I I am, I am. know that my mom listens to this podcast and I'm not putting you on blast. I think that my parents did the best that they could with all of the resources and everything that they had and the understanding of mental illness and mental health that they had at the time, which was not good. It was the early 2000s and really like this stuff was not in like the public dialogue like mental illness was still sort of something that was being brushed under the rug or you know oh we don't talk about the family member that's losing her mind or whatever you know um and also at the time adhd was like in a huge swell and like it was we're diagnosing kids and we're treating kids and you know it was all like the ritalin and you know my son is hyperactive like all this shit so I I don't blame them, but at the same time, I'm disappointed and I'm sad that I feel like there were potentially opportunities throughout my entire life that this could have been caught sooner and my life could look completely different, and after I was diagnosed, I kind of had to grieve the life that I could have had which I don't I don't know what that would be I'll never know but I feel sad and frustrated that I lost so much time suffering when I could have been happy like that's the long and short cut and dry of it like I had to grieve the fact that I feel like I lost half my life because no one would listen to me and no one took me seriously enough to actually investigate what might be at the root of my mental health problems. And that's really fucked up. And it's really sad. And, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I'm still lucky. Like, I have my health and I you know am diagnosed now and I'm getting the treatment that I need and my life and my quality of life has improved like beyond what I thought it could improve to and yes I still get depressed sometimes and yes I still randomly have a suicidal thought that slips through and whatever and I can handle that but it just has been something that I kind of had to wrap my mind around and also get used to the fact that like my brain is silent like She's she's not telling me everything that she used to tell me. Um and that's a really good thing, but when you're used to functioning a certain way for literally like your entire life and then one day you flip the switch and all of a sudden you're functioning in a different way, kind of hard to wrap your mind around and kind of hard to be like, "Well, who am I then if I'm not like this? Like who am I then if I'm not this like depressed?" Anxious bitch I don't know I feel like I could have done a lot more with my time if I hadn't been the way that I was before now but there's only so much that you can control I can't control that I can't go back and change that I understand why it happened on some levels I understand you know how it happened and ultimately I know that you know I'm still lucky at the end of the day but damn like I've literally spent so much money on mental health care like it's actually insane when you do your taxes at the end of the year there's like a clause in there somewhere and I am not going to quote it exactly because I don't recall but there's something in there that says basically if you add up your health expenses and they're over three or $4,000, then you can do that as, like, a write-off, basically. So one year, I added it all up, and I was, like, about to scrape the threshold, um, I think, on $4,000. And that's a fucking joke. Like, that is just, ugh. And I, I have worked through a lot of things, like, you know, my family went through some rough times, and I worked through all that, I, you know, got myself on board with the fact that I had been groomed, and, you know, I felt like something fucked up had happened to me in my youth, I am here, I'm gay, get used to it, <laughs> but, like, oh my god, it just is so frustrating, And it's really hard not to be angry, and I am a little angry, and I'm getting over that, and I am feeling that because I'm entitled to feel what I feel, and there's no need for me to shut down my feelings, but bleh. So that happened. Then, after that, there was some shit that went down at the job that I had at the time, and I got a new job, thank God, I'm a barista no more, but... Um, I had, like, recorded this whole episode that I was going to release about some fucked up shit that my boss in the coffee shop was doing, and it was too hot, and I couldn't release it because I didn't want to get in trouble or start shit or whatever, and my boyfriend felt that it was too hot, so I didn't release it, and then that put me further behind because... I was dealing with all of these things, and then the job transition, and then that, and then just, you know, whatever. And then on top of all of these things, just, like, the fundamental feeling of, like, what do I have to say that, like, does anything for anyone else in this world of sin? Like, what do I really have to contribute that, like, is worth me sitting here and doing this and having, you know, having it out there for people to listen to, whether people listen to it or not? You know, it's kind of like, there's so much just noise in our society because technology is at everyone's fingertips, so everyone needs to be engaged online all the time, and I think it would be nice if fewer or less people talked. (laughs) But I did get a lot of really wonderful feedback from people who were enjoying this, and were listening and that meant so much to me I think that's another reason why I stepped away for a while because I got freaked out because I was like people are expecting things from me people are liking this like oh, like oh um which is that's a good thing that's a feeling that I want to have that's you know I don't I don't want to be scared by the fact that what I'm doing is actually working and people are you know connecting and relating and feeling seen and mildly understood if that's something that I'm capable of offering to people so here we are I'll give the sort of cliff notes this is obviously this is like we're catching up I've been away for a while so this is this is the catch-up redux on why Colleen went missing And then also sidebar some of the stories that I was going to tell, Cliff noted, because there really wasn't a need for me to have a 40-minute episode about going to court for my old boss. So, I'm going to break it down. I was working in a coffee shop, downtown Cincinnati, big homeless issue here, lots of unhoused people in the community, and not a lot of resources really to support those people there are a few shelters but as you know like the shelter system is not just like a oh I go here and like that's where I am like there are rules there are regulations it's a very stringent like system and it's very easy to be kicked out or banned from a shelter etc cetera, etc cetera also like you have to get you have to physically be able to get to a shelter and a lot of people don't have transportation or the resources to get transportation Um, also sidebar um, in case you weren't aware a reason that a lot of unhoused people struggle is because you need a driver's license in order to register for a lot of social services or things like that and they obviously cannot get an ID because they can't get to a DMV or to pay for one. Um, and also you need a permanent resident residence on your license. Um, so if you want to help the, home, the homeless slash unhoused community, I'm trying to do away with using the word homeless because I think that it is um, really stigmatized in a negative way. But if you want to help unhoused people, look in your community and see if there is an organization that is helping to get um, identification for unhoused people because that can be a really huge help that a lot of people don't realize is like a block to accessing care and resources, cetera. So anyway, downtown Cincinnati, we have a lot of unhoused people, we have a huge drug issue in the city um, both heroin and meth. I would say heroin is way bigger right now, especially because of the fentanyl crisis and everything that is happening in that world. So heroin, I would say is like the predominant drug, but of course there's other things floating around. Um, it was summer at the time. So, um, you know, people were out and about, um, people were hot, people were needing water, they were needing shade um and they were coming into our business because there's food there, there's beverages there, there's air conditioning, there's public restrooms. There you know are plenty of customers that they can sort of ask for food for money, you know, whatever. It's a great place for them to panhandle because there's so much traffic and you're bound to get multiple good samaritans, you know, in one day who are going to get you something. So Um, Sometimes, you know, people would be outside and they would get a cup of coffee. Then the next guy that comes in, they get a sandwich. Like, it really is a great place for them to be. But for the business standpoint, it is not a great place because, you know, they can be potentially unpredictable if you don't know the mental health status of a lot of these people. Part of the reason that they end up unhoused is because of a mental health crisis or a substance abuse issue and so a lot of the guests that we would see would be mentally unwell or just unpredictable um or sometimes they would be on drugs sometimes they would be you know kind of in a dip between drugs um and so it was scary like you know I have a lot of compassion for these people and ultimately like I don't think that they are really doing anything wrong because they're in survival mode and they've been forced into survival mode by our society which has just failed them top to bottom front to back so I have a lot of compassion but still it's scary because they would come in and they could be unpredictable you didn't know what sort of state they were in that day Sometimes they would come in and steal because we would have things like right by the door and they could just grab, you know, a bag of food, um, kind of unnoticed and sneak out. Um, And then there was one gentleman named Willie. Willie who was sort of doing all of these things and then he was also he would sort of camp out in the restroom for a while and he was extremely mentally unwell and untreated and so he would camp out in the bathroom for a little while and you would hear him sort of talking or being like verbally upset because he was having hallucinations and hearing you know, things that weren't there, so on and so forth. So he was clearly really mentally unstable. He was clearly really in need of help. And he was also clearly disrupting the business and making us all very scared for our safety. And the company didn't fucking do anything about it. This problem has been going on forever, apparently, and they have never done anything about it. Um, there's no security there's no like rule that they can enforce in any way beyond being like you need to go outside if somebody comes inside that they don't want there and they're putting all of this on the baristas and like the employees so basically like upper management is doing nothing to protect us to keep us safe we're all being like social workers And making coffee. Like, we're doing triage, we're doing like, we're trying to diffuse situations, we're trying to mediate, we're trying to like get these people care. There's a group of ambassadors downtown who knows a lot of like caseworkers and stuff that these people are working with. So, like, we are like a hub of the community in more ways than one. As like a coffee shop, we are like the hub of the unhoused community. And we were terrified. Like it was very scary and we were not protected. And so one thing led to another with Willie and essentially they had decided that we needed him to be arrested and removed from the property. Because that was the only way that they could enforce that he wasn't allowed to be there. They had a temporary restraining order or a temporary protective order or whatever that he couldn't be on the property. And if he was on the property, he was breaking that order. So I gave him a glass of water one day and my boss was pissed off. And I told her that I'm not comfortable calling the police and having people arrested I said I'm not comfortable I'm not doing that that is against my values I don't trust the police I don't believe that anyone is helping these people and I don't understand why you won't do anything about it to keep us safe and to benefit the community and she basically talked down to me and she told me that well us young people need to vote and if us young people would vote then you know we would see change but enough young people aren't voting so we young people really need to vote because she's been voting forever and that's why you know she has a good conscience and she can sleep at night or whatever the fuck and it was one of those conversations where like we were talking and I was like uh-huh yeah uh-huh yeah and then later I was like did that bitch really just say that to me <laughs> this is like a 50 year old woman <laughs> by the way maybe she's not 50 but she's older than me significantly and you would expect her to be not the worst but she was so that conversation happened. And then on Friday, they sent out an email with his mugshot, a case number, all of his personal stats and information and a order that says, if any employee sees this man in the store this weekend, you have to step away from the bar and you have to call the police immediately. They said, we want this man arrested this weekend, so if you're one of the shift supervisors on the floor, we expect that to happen. A.K.A. Colleen, you're opening, and you're the only one who will do this because everyone else is so morally opposed that they won't even call the police, but we know that you are a good little girl who likes to follow the rules, and so if we tell you to do something, you're going to do it. Well, I highly regret that now, but yeah, I mean... If you set an expectation for me, I'm going to, like, meet it if it's job-related because I want to do a good job and I want to please everyone. And I know that's not a good quality and I'm working on it, but that's just who I have been my entire life because I was a middle child and, you know, felt that I had to mediate my parents' divorce across my whole family. So he came in. He was high off of his ass, like... Not in a right state of mind. He was extremely agitated. I was like, Willie, I'm so sorry, but you know that I can't have you in here. I really have to ask you to go outside or they're going to make me call the cops. And he was not in a state to hear that. He said, Fuck you, bitch. Fuck you. And I said, Okay. And I was shaking and I went behind the bar and I, you know, dialed 911. But I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't know what to say. I don't want to do this. And I basically fumbled the call. I didn't get through in time. And I was like, forget it. Um, one of our male coworkers that used to work at the store happened to be there. So he was like, you got to get the fuck out, man. And after causing like a really big scene and knocking a bunch of stuff over, Willie left. And I was like, OK, all right. He was really messed up so he will be back he'll be back in the afternoon and he will more than likely be on a lower dip because he's going to come down from this high and he's going to get tired and sleepy and i was right he came back around 1 30 and he went into the bathroom and he stayed there for, you know, about 30 minutes or so. I called the police and, you know, did what they wanted me to do, which, again, I regret that deeply. I was assured that, like, nothing was going to happen to this man. I was assured that this man was not going to prison or jail. I was assured that he was going to be held, like, overnight for maybe a day or two and then he would be released. Well, that's not what happened at all. So, first of all, the police i will say like they were very respectful they were very responsible everybody was you know appropriate nobody was doing anything that i felt was you know violent or disrespectful of him you know he was muted like he was not aggressive or anything with them so like everything went as best it could and like i had good conversations with the officers that were on site So, like, as much as anything could, I felt like it went relatively well. I expressed my concerns for him and, like, my goals for this, which is just that, like, I want this man to get help. And so, like, if this is happening, then, like, this needs to be a conduit to help for him. And the police officers assured me, yes, absolutely, he's going to get care, he's going to get treatment, you know, this is all going to be good for him. And I was like, okay, sure, if he's going to get treatment and he's going to be, housed and potentially end up in a better situation, then sure, let's do this. Well, I get subpoenaed to appear in court um, like two weeks later, and I have COVID. So my boss texts me at 9 a.m., like the day that I'm supposed to be there, and I'm like, well, I can't be there because I have COVID. So thanks for nothing. So um, conveniently, I got COVID, and then I went on vacation. So um, I went on vacation, and when I was coming back in town, my boss texted me the night before at like 7 p.m. and she said hey are you in town and I said yes why I'm on my way back right now and she said you have a subpoena to be at court tomorrow at 9 a.m. and I said okay well I don't appreciate finding out about this the night before when I have a legal obligation to appear and also you've scheduled me to be on the floor from nine to five so what are we going to do about that and she said okay we'll see if you can find coverage I'm sorry bitch what I'm going to court for your ass because you made me call the police and get this dude arrested. And then you also want me to find my own coverage for your fucking store. No, no, no. So I did find I tried to find coverage. I texted one person. They weren't able to do it. I texted my boss back and I said, they're not able to do it. So I'm going to go to court and you guys can figure out who's going to be at the store. And I said, also, I expect to be paid for my time that I'm in court because I am missing time that I'm supposed to be working on the floor for you. And also, this is like so far outside of my job description that it's actually fucking insane that you think that this is normal in any way. And this bitch was literally gobsmacked that I would say that, which is, like, hilarious to me. She was like, I was just so shocked. Like, I was just so taken aback by you saying that. And I was like, why? Nowhere in my job descriptions does it say that I'm responsible for protecting the safety of all of your guests and employees by having people arrested against my will. Like, nowhere in my job description does it say, be prepared to go to court as a witness to testify on our behalf. Also, we're not going to pay you for doing it. Like what? The actual fuck? So then we get there, we wait forever, we, you know, talk to the public attorneys, we talk to, you know, one of the police officers who is a really nice guy. He's um a man of color and he works in the forest and he's one of our guests. Um Husbands, so they were like, We know this guy, he's like here to kind of help us out, and he was a really great guy. And whenever I meet an officer um, that's a person of color on the force, I have respect for them because I'm like, You are trying to make a change from the inside out, and I respect that. Um, white officers, I don't trust you ways if you're a woman, I trust you like five percent more than a white man, Any anyways so the the attorneys were great. They all were like, "We want this man to get help. We want him to get help. We want to put him on um I can't remember what it was called, but it was like a a mental health probation, basically where he would be like in treatment, he would have a place to go to check in. he would be medicated, you know like he would be getting help actively and I really appreciated that the you know public attorney was really trying to do her best to help this man and on you know in small defense of my boss i will say that was her goal as well but not really her goal was to get this guy out of her fucking business side you know side note if she can get him a little bit of mental health care but like that's not her priority she doesn't care about that what she cares about is covering her own ass so we go into the courtroom I will say, you know, for every white man in there, there was a woman, so I felt okay about that. Um, There were a few people of color in the room, but mostly everybody was white, Um, and ultimately, the judge wanted to give that probation, but Willie, unfortunately, had so many prior charges, I guess you would say, that unfortunately he had already been offered those resources and he was not able to meet the guidelines that were required to continue as part of the program so the judge I will say he was very fair and he did express like this makes me very sad like the system is so broken I wish that there was something that I could do for you but the only thing that I really have the option to do is to sentence you to the time that you have to serve um so he ended up serving you know time served he'd been in um jail i think for about 14 to 20 days at that point um and three additional months um for breaking the protection order so he didn't get any help they medicated him in jail but like just so he would basically be a vegetable so that they could handle him Because he was so mentally unwell that he was causing conflict and problems because he was mentally unwell. And instead of diagnosing him and treating him and giving him comprehensive care, they were like, we'll just drug this guy and then we don't have to deal with him. And then when he gets out of jail in three months, he'll go right back to the street. He'll go right back to being mentally ill and unmedicated. He'll fall right back into his substance abuse. And, you know, our hands are clean because that's America. So that's exactly what happened. Um, I saw him on the street. When I was on my way to my new job, and he was walking out of the same coffee shop that I used to work in, and it sucks. And what they wanted me to do, and I really need to wrap this up because I am recording this in the morning and I need to get going to work. So what they wanted me to do was they wanted me to file for a civil protection order, which, yes, is a stalking order. That's a restraining order. They wanted me to file that against him. Me personally, because you can't do it on behalf of a business or a location. You have to issue a stalking order for a person, and then it protects the place that that person is in. So they wanted me to do this because they, my boss and manager, were not in the store enough, and I was in the store most often, so it would make the most sense for me to have the protection order so that the building would be protected if I were in it. And they pressured me to go upstairs and file for this. So I went upstairs and I filed for it. And when you file a sole protection order in the state of Ohio, um, you have to appear in court before a judge to get it approved and like into action. It does not become a thing until a judge signs off on it and says, yes, okay, I grant this order. So I never did that because a fuck you b absolutely not c what's wrong with you d i googled what the legal ramifications of breaking one of those orders is and the temporary um you know trespassing order or whatever that was against him was like a fourth degree misdemeanor he got you know two months in jail and they waived his, you know, $250 fine or whatever. But if you break a stocking order, it's a first degree misdemeanor, which means that you're going to serve about six months to a year in jail and you're going to be fined over $1,000. Um, and I would be the, the plaintiff, not the business, not my boss, not, you know, their company, me, Colleen, would be the plaintiff against this man who like literally has done nothing wrong other than be failed by everybody so I said fuck you and quietly got another job and then left and that was that but it was really fucked up and the fact that this business, who they claim to be like super progressive, and they're like, you know, we're, we hire, we love to hire women and we love to hire, you know, alternative people. Meanwhile, they have like one person of color on their staff and they're like half. Yeah. So the moral of the story is don't be a dick to anyone, whether they're unhoused, whether they're gay, or just you know going through some shit fucking leave people alone just leave people alone and if you want to help people actually help people and don't call the police on them because it's not helping them it's hurting them always always unless it's a white man then call 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 the police if it's a white man call if it's a white woman call unless she seems to be in a state of distress if it's a karen go for it nothing to fear there Um, yeah, so that's that, um, that is all that I have for you today, that is the Cliff Notes, where she been at She been over there, and she's been pondering whether she wants to go just by they, them, or not But for now I'm gonna keep conforming myself to the image of society that they expect from me And I will still go by she, because when people look at me at least right now, that's what they see. And quite frankly, I don't care to be misgendered constantly. So I'd rather just tell myself that I'm fine with it for now until I get to a point that I'm not fine with it anymore. Woo! All right! That was a lot. And now I have to go get ready for work and dry shampoo the fuck out of my hair because I didn't take a shower and there's a lot going on there. Um, have a wonderful day. Have a wonderful... Um, weekend. Have a wonderful time of life. Thank you for tuning in and listening if you've made it this far. Um, I do have a podcast that I'm doing with my little sister, Helen, right now. It's called The Worst Thing I Ever Watched, and we watch terrible movies, TV shows, you know, whatever. We watch terrible stuff, and then we laugh about it, and we talk about it on a podcast together. So if that sounds of interest to you, um, follow us on Instagram. I think it's t-w-t-i-e-w pod it's linked on my page so you can just find it right there um and then I will be back I'm going to record another episode of this before the end of the year and then when I come back in the new year I'm going to do even more stuff and maybe I'll do like interviews and shit like I need to actually try so um this is me trying okay have a great time doing whatever you're gonna do thanks for listening I love you bye This is my theme song It's not very good and it's not very long